Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm venturing off into a new kind of arena for me. So I have Thomas Ray on today. He is a student angler, so he's going to tell me a lot more about fishing than I know. (laughs) So how are you, Thomas? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. Heck yeah. So actually, I want to know, I don't know, how old are you? Curious. I'm 16. 16. Okay, cool. I turned 16 a few days ago. Happy birthday. Well, thank you. That's awesome. So how did you get into fishing? Like, who taught you? Well, I wasn't really into it until I was about, I'd say, 12 years old. And at first, really, all I wanted to do was play video games. And (laughs) one day, my neighbor and my papa invited me to go on a uh, trout fishing trip with them on Cumberland River. And since then, I've, I've been addicted to it almost <laughs> yep i go just about every single weekend that i have for the last four years wow wow and i'm assuming that's like on boats on shorelines like off At piers all of anywhere kayaks shorelines boats you think of that's so cool for for kayaks too are do you do like the sit on kayaks and you fish yes okay. and mine i got a jackson cruise mine i can actually stand up in it and fish neat if the water's flat enough yeah yeah yeah. not like choppy okay that makes sense <laughs> i used to surf back in my day so a little, i know a little bit on like the stand-up paddleboard side <laughs> okay so it, it can be hairy yeah it can be hairy yeah so when you were 12 like you said grandpa like actually taught you like who taught you to i don't know cast a line bait your fish all, or hook all of that i guess i actually learned how to cast remember i was little little my dad taught me just in a farm pond and worm and bobber but after that I started learning different casts on my own watching YouTube videos all that it takes a certain amount of time to learn a skill of casting so there's other there's different casts you can do but simple ones it only takes a few minutes to even learn one that's cool so you can outfish your pretty much <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> if he's listening, he'll probably laugh me a little bit, but pretty much. <laughs> so for those that don't know, so his dad, Ryan Ray, he's a competitive shooter. So that's how oh. I met his son here. But out of you two, I'm curious, who's like more competitive in general? Him. Really? Lifting weights, it's him. <laughs> if I go down and lift weights, he immediately goes down and lifts 100 pounds more than me. <laughs> Just to just to show off. It's definitely him. I like this. Okay, it's good to know. <laughs> so what was that uh, feeling like? Do you remember that first fish that you ever reeled in, like truly yourself? Do you remember that feeling that you had? The first one I remember vividly, it was on that trip to Cumberland River. I was in my kayak. I was floating down the river, and I was alone. I didn't see the, but the main boat we were with. I was with, I didn't see him at all. 
<laughs> and fish around with log. I catch about a 15-inch trout, and I get him into my kayak, and I had no clue what to do with him. I'm, he's he's sitting there in between my legs. I'm holding it down, trying not to freak out. I, I have no, at this point, I have no clue how to get a hook out of a fish, mm-hmm. and it's just flopping around, ends up dying. And it, I finally, the boat we were with, they came over to me, and it was small enough to keep because there's a slot limit that you can't keep any from 15 to 20 inches on and it was small enough to keep and that was the first fish I truly remember catching and it's basically burned into my brain I'm like I probably could save that fish but I had no clue what I was doing Mm -hmm. so it just it I felt bad for it (laughs) yeah yeah but it I remember, I remember it was like, huh, well, me being an idiot, I just killed fish I didn't really want to kill, but I'll eat him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of funny. So who left you alone to your own devices, like with no knowledge of what to do? Probably my neighbor. He, uh, he take we go fishing a lot during the summer and sometimes during the spring and he's, he's a real outdoorsman. And he thought that if I needed to learn something, I needed to learn it on my own. So he, they sat me out there in a kayak, 12-year-old me, they sat me in a kayak in the middle of a river, a not a small river, a big river. Mm-hmm. And I'm just floating down the river and end up catching one. I had no clue what to do with it. That's really funny. <laughs> but it did teach me a lot of mm-hmm. how I need to unhook them and on that trip, I actually learned how to unhook one later. So oh, awesome! <laughs> I bet that was the day you learned. Even though it was a trial and error, I did still figured it out. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember my friend and I. We went. I'm not gonna name her. She knows exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, we went bluegill fishing, and she squirms at fish, so she wouldn't take it off the hook herself. She wouldn't bait the hook herself, right? I straight up told her though, I was like, listen, if you're not mature enough or able to hook your own fish and take it off, right? Because it's the humane thing to do, then you can't come. And if you're not going to bait your own fish, you can't come. And then what does she end up doing? Catching a damn fish. And then guess who has to take it off? Me. <laughs> like that's, no, that's not how you do it. When you, I teach you once and then you, you do the rest of the time. I'm not doing it. That's your job. <laughs> At least I show you how to do it the first time. You know, after that's on you. Yeah. <laughs> after that, after that, I had a few months of a learning curve of what do I even do. But after that, it was almost muscle memory. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like you're lucky too that me, our generation has YouTube. Before that, they didn't. What did they do? You know, <laughs> it was passed down. <laughs> it. I definitely had to learn a lot on my own because neither my dad or my papa were too bigger fishermen but youtube helped a lot and just experience on the water helped a lot even though videos can teach you however many topics and things you want there's nothing that replaces actually being out there and doing it yourself you are a smart 16 year old so (laughs) that's right (laughs) so are you mostly um salt water or are you freshwater angler mainly just freshwater i've done a little bit of salt water but it's not, it's not anything to write home about. Caught a couple tiny grouper and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. For the so most then, part. 
for okay. the most part being in a landlocked state, there's no salt water. Then, yeah, yeah. What's the farthest you've actually traveled to fish? This summer and the summer before that, I went up to Lake Erie and while I fished. Before that, it was probably down to Florida. Okay. Mostly along just the East Coast. Okay. That's it. No, that's awesome. I experienced the same thing. So again, surfing Kenzie, moved to a landlock for college and what do you do? You know, you kind of lose that, which kind of sucks, but you make do with what you have. Yeah. So what's your absolute favorite fish to wrangle? Definitely smallmouth bass. They, <laughs> they fight like hell. They never give up. <laughs> and usually they're in the prettiest places you can even find. Little small creeks, even on big lakes, they're, they're just fun. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. What about your favorite to eat? Probably walleye. They, walleye. out of every single fish I've eaten, walleye still tastes the best. Okay. Nothing can, nothing can replace them. <laughs> so have you tried like, I mean, my thing is like flounder and grouper. I don't know why I love flounder. So. I haven't eaten any saltwater fish. Yeah. All mainly just freshwater. Yeah. Catfish are okay. Crappie are in the middle of catfish and walleye. And then trout are on the, the the end of that. Yeah. They're bony, but they're still fun to catch. And they're easy to clean. Yeah. They're really easy to clean. Yep. I, question on a side note. I didn't actually prepare you for this, but do you hunt as well? I've hunted a little bit, okay. but it's not really my thing. My brother younger than me he loves hunting mm -hmm. but i just like seeing him swim away mm -hmm. i don't like killing things if it doesn't need to be killed so yeah i'd rather just i'd rather see him say oh that's cool and then let him go on their merry way <laughs> i was curious where the meat comes from your family so we do have the hunters <laughs> i like it i like it okay so for those that don't know, think about like newbies listen, especially me a little bit, but there's a lot that goes into fishing. That's more than just rod, reel, bait, right? So mm -hmm. what are some things that like goes into fishing that like most people don't even realize or don't think about? A lot of the, a lot of it has to do with finding spots, finding, finding out what the fish are eating, where they're going to be that time of year and what bait to throw at them to have the best success. Mm -hmm. Not every time you can go out and catch them on one certain bait on one certain spot because they're not always going to be there. Huh. As the seasons change, they're going to move either deeper or shallower or do different things, eat different things. It all relates to weather and timing and mainly time of year. How do you learn all that? Experience. It, okay. YouTube videos, some, but mainly just experience. It's gotten a lot, I will say it's gotten a lot easier catching numbers of fish and catching bigger fish as I've gone through this journey of four years. <laughs> but at the beginning, I hadn't even caught a bass over three pounds. Oh, wow. Now it's almost every single time I go. Like wow. last, I went Sunday, caught a four and a half pounder. I mean, it just, it gets better with time. Cool. 
it won't happen every time, but. But a bad day fishing. Out. What's the what's the saying? A bad day of fishing is better than a good day of work. That yes. And I will one hundred percent agree with that. <laughs> practicing less Trishan for my dad. Wow. Okay. I say practicing lightly because work three days a week during the summer yep. and mainly just hang temporary lights, but that's about it. That's cool though. I worked for my uh, mom growing up too. So I'm, I was in the same boat. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's good though. So you have school, fishing and, and work. I like good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. So on the, the fishing spots too, I want to ask, do you mostly go to like public land or do you have private land? And like, how do you find out, how does someone new find out where they can actually go and fish legally? Well, I've got a lot of, pu- I've got a lot of private land that I fish. I've got a few connections that I've managed through the last four years that I've been able to fortunately get that I've got about eight ponds and a creek in about a four mile radius so it's basically a stomping ground of just massive fish yeah but apart from that there's a lot of public creeks and a lot of public lakes that are excellent fishing one really good tool is either uh, the app Onyx Hunt yep. or Google Maps. Onyx Hunt, you can actually figure out who owns the property and be able to contact them. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm pretty no, sure. I'm pretty but you can find property that way. And then Google Maps, if you find, if you want to fish creeks, you can find the creek, find a bridge, and then figure out if the bridge is on public land or private land. And usually you can just park over by the bridge and walk down and fish down around there. That's awesome. Back home, we have a pier, fishing pier, and of course, salt water. But my friend mm-hmm. spent many a time out there and he's now making rods, but it was uh, like pier <laughs> trash. I don't know. That's <laughs> what they call oh. them. Pier rats. That's what it was. Yes. Pier rats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I got off track there. But so going back to like for, for the gear, I guess, the setup, not rod, reel, bait, mm-hmm. obviously. What are some bare minimum tools that someone needs to get started? Really, all you need is a rod, reel, line, and whatever baits you think need that you need to throw. Now, there's a few different rods, or a few different styles of rods you can get. Of course, there's push buttons, and there's a bunch. But the two main ones I use are a spinning rod which puts a bale, you can throw the line out. They're relatively easy to fish, actually really easy to fish. Mm-hmm. And almost any beginner can pick one up, throw it, will be perfectly fine. I usually use them for smaller baits that don't weigh as much and for smaller techniques that I don't have to use as much power for. Mm-hmm. And then the one I use the most is bait caster. Mm-hmm. And you can horse fish in a lot faster. You can fish a lot heavier baits. They're just all around easier to use, for me at least. Yeah. For beginners, not so much. But after after you get a little bit of time under your belt, so it'll just be muscle memory. It won't. You won't even think that you're doing it. Yeah. Okay. Question on the rod too. Is it like archery in the fact that like you get a poles set up for you whether grip or size or length or no well 
there's so many different rod companies out there. You can get custom rods, but there are different, there's, even with spinning and casting rods, there's different sizes, there's different lengths, <laughs> everything. And it all, it all matters in a sense because a, ba- a rod that I would throw that bait on, mm-hmm. I wouldn't throw something like this on because it wouldn't wow. handle, it wouldn't handle something that big. Oh, okay. They all just correlate with sizes. Okay. And it takes a little time getting to figure out what size rod you want for what bait you want, but after a little trial and error, it doesn't take it doesn't take too long. And there's different uh, like weight for all of the the fishing line out there as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You can go all the way down to two pound line if you possess yourself, <laughs> or I even have a rod over there that's got sixty five pound line on. It's like how it's all it's anything you want just depends on what type of fishing you're doing yeah i couldn't tell you what we growing up we used to do like the ling and the shark and my grandpa used to do sailfish but we'd be out in the gulf of mexico Mm -hmm. past louisiana and oh ling was so good but yeah we did a lot of red snapper like big red snapper so i'm only experienced Mm -hmm. in salt water but i'm interested in in freshwater because i live in tennessee now and it is creek and you know that's about the epicenter of creek fishing yes and like fly fishing which i want to ask you about too but <laughs> i gotta get into all of this <laughs> i'll get to it later so for the tools though i have another question maybe this is stupid do they need like you know obviously spare parts like a tackle box what about like yeah. removing the hook like getting good pliers or like simple things like what do they need no just a little simple pair of pliers yep. works perfect yep. you don't need anything too fancy just a little simple pair of pliers if you've got a bait that has treble hooks on it, you'll probably need pliers because I've had one in my finger and it's not pleasant Mm-mm. whatsoever. Yep, you learned that the hard way. <laughs> I learned it the extreme hard way. Oh, and I have a question on bait too. So mm-hmm. I've used worms and stuff and we've used like bits and pieces of, of fish cut up, but do you mostly use um, real live bait or, or whatever it's called? Synthetic? I usually... I usually stick to artificial for 99% of what I'm doing. It's all artificial. Okay. Occasionally, whenever I bluegill fish during the summer, I'll throw crickets or worms, but most of the time it's just strictly artificial. So again, dumb. I know nothing. So (laughs) when it comes to artificial, what do those look like? Like what size, like for smallmouth mouth bass or big mouth bass or whatever, what, what are you using? Well, I, I tend to catch myself using a certain number of baits throughout the year that I just always stick with. This is one of them. It's a Z-Man jackhammer. I, I have one of them over there. I've caught probably 100 fish on just this year. Wow. It, it looks like a rag doll that's been beaten across a wall. It's, it's rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then for smallmouth, the, well, it's an opinion, but probably the greatest bait out there is a little simple Ned rig. It's, it's just a stick with a hook in it. That's about it. And it's a Ned, like N-E-D? N-E-D. Okay. Okay. And they catch just about anything that swims. Okay. I've got 
I've caught trout on them. I've caught catfish, bass, all three species of them. They, everything eats it. Okay. That's good to know. Uh, the other question I had, and, and I similarly know this experience, but now it is a little bit different. Like how does someone go out and get their fishing license? What do they need to know about the different licenses that they need to pay for and all that stuff? Because that's huge. A lot of people don't know about that. Usually just checking with your, checking on your state's wildlife website, just like Kentucky has a fish. I had to think about it for, I didn't, I haven't had to buy a license yet, but okay. when I do, I time aren't you <laughs> just had to look just all you have to do is look up where to get a fishing license in your state figure out where it is usually walmart sells them i think academy sells them too and it's it's a really simple process just go there and pay a small fee just sign up for a fishing license you don't have to take Doesn't a class hmm? you don't have to take a class or anything no you don't need a class Okay, so they it's don't not ask like any questions. They just, they just get a fishing license. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I was comparing it to hunting where I had to like go and take a class. So it's curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Question randomly too that I had popping up. Would you ever try noodling? <laughs> no, no. Because <laughs> in all respect to everyone that noodles, you all are insane and I don't see what possesses a human being to want to stick their hand in a mud hole in a bank and either pull out a catfish, a snapping turtle, or a snake. I don't get it. I don't, I do not understand it. I will not ever understand it. I will never stick my hand in a mud hole to try to pull a catfish out of. It's just the dumbest idea I've ever heard anyone think of. (laughs) Oh. I, I see people laughed. do it all the time. I know. I see people do it, and I'm like, you're insane. I know. I'm sorry, you're insane. They're like, here's my scars. I'm like, I would die. I would be the person that gets the turtle and the snake all at the same time. <laughs> here's here's a giant patch of catfish teeth on my Ugh. right arm. No, I was curious oh. about that. <laughs> so, all right, getting back to back to more serious stuff too. Can you explain how important it is to to be cognizant of like conservation, right? Only fishing during season, making sure that you are fishing the right species and the right size. Like, how do you know all that and learn all of that? Usually, again, just checking with your statewide wildlife website. You can figure out which seasons you have. Thankfully, here in Kentucky, we don't have any seasons on fish or any certain. Well, we do have trout stamps. so. Trout fish here in Kentucky, you have to buy a certain trout stamp, and that that covers you for a whole year. You can trout fish as much as you want. If you don't have that trout stamp, then you cannot trout fish unless it's in small feeder creeks, or I actually I think that's about it. But you have to have a trout stamp anywhere else you go. But apart from that, you don't. There not too many states have seasons. I know the northern states have seasons on bass and muskie, but I'm not too positive about anything else. Well, Florida, we had a lot on red snapper season for sure. Like you had a small window. So red snapper, you couldn't, but you could with white or whatever. There's a lot of differences. Yeah. And that's why we had to keep in, keep in like pretty good records of the day that you need to go and not go. 
yeah, there's there's certain days you can only fish for certain fish, but yeah. for the main part, anything inland and anything freshwater, unless you're up north, you're probably okay. But just just make sure to check with your either a wildlife resource officer or just the website. Yeah, just any your state's fish and game website. How important those conservation goes. For me, it's of my highest concern. I've been to a lot of different waterways that I just see trash floating everywhere. And I think, well, ruined yep. ecosystems just because somebody's too lazy to throw away their trash. Yep. And I also think us fishermen have something to do with that as well. Mm-hmm. Whenever we cut off line, some of us throw line in the water. And that it makes me mad sometimes just because we're technically even though we're blaming all these people for trashing up our waterways we're the ones doing it yeah and it's kind of it kind of gets to me a little bit but usually whenever i see trash float and i try to pick it up if it's warm i'll definitely pick it up but it's cold i'll think about it because i don't want to try i don't want to risk getting wet and staying freezing for the rest of the day (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm I'm the same way with with hiking. Every time I hike the trails, same thing. I've been picking up trash, and there's always like one water bottle out of reach. And I'm like, do I risk my death? <laughs> Keep the water bottle. Yeah, it's really painful though. I mean, yeah, yeah, we do the best we can for sure. But there's always, I can't tell you how much we pick up. I, I get it. Yeah, I've caught, I've caught plastic bags before. I caught a shoe one time. Uh uh-uh. uh. A couple tournaments ago, I caught a glass bottle. Oh, God. Don't know how that happens. I caught a glass bottle. I've caught a rod before. <laughs> In that same tournament that I caught the glass bottle, I caught a rod. <laughs> Just the amount of trash you catch is amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. it's just, it's sad. It really is sad. Oh, 100%. I caught, I've caught a few fishing lures before, too. Just randomly casting god that's odd oh man well i'm glad that you put conservation first though i think that when especially someone of your age just the young young people when youth realize that we're setting the tone and the standards for the future and what our planet looks like and you know that's it's really important so mm-hmm. proud of you for that so what can you tell me the reels? I know you kind of showed them here so for people watching they get the bonus how do they operate how mm-hmm. do you release them, cast them, reel and fish, all that stuff. For spinning rod, it's real simple. All you have to do, unhook the bait, or you have your bait here, reel it up, just reel using that hand, flip the bale open, hold the line in one finger, and just either flip it out there, or cast. I can't make a full cast in here, yeah. I wish I could, but, and then, your drag system operates like that. Bale spins around. The fish pulls out line. And on your way in, just reel at whatever speed you need to. That's spinning rod. It's really simple. Yeah. Everything about it, it's really simple. Bait caster, the reason some people have such a difficulty with it is of the line release system. Yep. So, again, bait like that. You're gonna have to have your thumb on the. the first, you click down the you click down the bale release. 
Mm-hmm. You have to have your line or your thumb on the spool of line to make sure it doesn't backlash. You just flip it out there, and as you as you're flipping it or casting it, just try to keep a little bit of pressure on that line so it doesn't all explode back out of the reel and you end up throwing your the lake. But it takes a little getting used to. After a while, it's not too bad. It. I've had some. I've hit a like I'm casting behind me. I hit a bush and I look at it. and I'm like, that's never coming out. Oh, I'm gonna have to cut all of that off. <laughs> it it can be frustrating sometimes. Okay, so this has been like the the great debate that I don't know much about. How does someone reel in a fish properly? First, it all starts with the hook set. If you don't get a hook in that fish, you're never gonna get them in the boat. Mainly, that it differs with baits, but for the most part, any of your single hook baits, like small underspin or chatter bait, mm-hmm. you're going to want to lift as soon as you feel bite. You're going to want to set the hook in the air. Make sure your rod, your rod tip's held high. I can't really get in the frame, but <laughs> you got to make sure your rod tip's held high. Mm-hmm. Try to keep them low in the water. Even though it is cool when they jump, it's mainly when you lose your majority of fish. I've lost, I don't know how many fish as they jump, that every bit of my soul. <laughs> it, there's been some that have jumped. I'm like, yeah, that was probably my biggest bass ever. Wow. Okay. But, but mainly just want to keep, as soon as you set the hook into them, you want to keep them down in the water. Now, with anything that has more than one hook on it, like a crankbait or jerkbait, you're going to want to lean into them more of instead of a instead of a set up motion, you're going to want to lean to the side and get the hooks into the fish without ripping it out of its mouth. So not up side ish flick. More more to the instead of going like that, like you would with a single hook bait, you want to kind of rip to the side, more of a slow motion. Usually, if you're fishing a crankbait, your rod's going to have enough power to load into that fish okay. instead of you doing most of the work. Okay. Super cool. Question on baiting your own hook. How many knots, first of all, do you know how to tie? Around three. Okay. Three that I'm very comfortable with. <laughs> okay. Apart from that, it's more of a 50-50. I'll give it a shot. There's been one. There's been one I've been successful at a little bit. Yeah, there's not so much. But for the most part, I mainly just use two knots unless I'm going down to really, really small baits. For 99% of what I do, I just tie a straight Palmar knot to my line or to my eye of the hook. And it, I hardly have fish break it off. What is that? Really? Palmar knot? Yeah. So first, if you're listening to this podcast, you need to go watch the video now on YouTube. (laughs) Yeah. It's to make hardly any sense without the video. That'll be great. First, you want to start with your line in a little loop. Okay. Just double it over. Then once you get near the eye of the hook, you want to put that loop through the eye. Oh. And make it to where it's almost like holding in between the two. Mm-hmm. You want to take that eye that you made, 
wrap it or set it over top of the other line that you have that makes the loop, wrap it around, form that knot. Huh. And you want to take the loop that you made, slide it over the bait. You usually want to wet it a little bit before you cinch it down just so it doesn't burn itself on the way up. But I'll just skip that process. Usually it ties. I made sure it didn't tie so that I can actually tie one later. But <laughs> cool. You usually get the idea. That's one of them. The other one I use isn't necessarily a actual line to lure knot, but it's a line to line knot. So usually with spinning rods, I fish braided line, which is really thin diameter, yet you can have really heavy poundage. Right. Other lines like monofilament or fluorocarbon, you can't, you kind of sacrifice a little bit of strength for visibility. Fluorocarbon is basically invis invisible. Braid, you can see it really easy. So for when I'm fishing a spinning rod, I take the braid line, I tie it off to a liter of usually fluorocarbon, any pound work, but that's an Alberto knot that connects those two. And that's just a little small connection knot that allows you still have sensitivity in your line, strength in your line, yet on the lure end of it, everything, fish can't see it. Huh. That one took that one took me a while to get down. That was YouTube. That was that was YouTube. That was YouTube and a lot of failed attempts at getting fish on them. At first, I thought, oh, I've got this down. And then I'd set the hook on fish, and my whole line breaks. I'm like, what happened? I get it in, and there's a li the little end of my braided line was still wrapped up in a knot, and the leader wasn't there because I didn't tie it right. Oh, dang. Yeah. So it took, it took a little bit of trial and error, but finally, it, it's one of the simplest leader knots that you can tie. Pretty cool. doesn't take doesn't take hardly any time to do it. It's pretty easy. I haven't used a bobber in a while unless it's to bluegill fish, but you're going to use a bobber if you want your bait to usually bait like this. It'll fall to the bottom, sit at the bottom until you move the line. If you want to fish a bobber on it, it'll suspend there in front of the fish and just wait. It'll just wait. So, there's a lot of people that fish for smallmouth, smallmouth bass on Dale Hollow Lake that use a little small, jig, almost jig like this. Yeah. With a little bit of feather, a little bit of bird feather or something on the back of it. And they just put that underneath of a bobber and it just suspends there. It just sits there and does nothing until you move the line. And <laughs> it, keep, it just keeps it off the bottom. Yeah. That makes sense. For the most part, it's, it's mainly just if you want, if you don't want it touching bottom, then use a bobber. Bobber. Okay. I know you kind of touched on rods earlier. I'm just curious, like for somebody starting out or somebody new, you know, I know a bunch of people like for, again, I go back to what I know, but like for hunting, you know, big box retailers, maybe not always have the best like bows, for example, is there a place that they should go to look for rods and like, are there brands that are better than others? Academy Sports and Outdoor sells a lot of rods, mm -hmm. a lot of different options. Whenever I started, and I started picking up different rods, I'd just go in there, 
find rods that were relatively cheap, mm-hmm. buy them, use them. And usually they'd wear out because if you want to get gear that lasts, you have to spend a little bit of money on it. Mm-hmm. I've had some people ask me like, oh, why would you spend $400 on a rod and reel? That's absurd. That's cheap. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, that's planning on, that's planning on lasting me for a good while, probably yeah. about 10 years. we see people in my industry listening to this podcast are like yeah that's cheap for gear like we get it we know what (laughs) paying the price yeah that's that's something i don't give on my dad he's like why why do you need so many rods i'm like ask yourself what you're saying right there (laughs) ask yourself what you're saying and then just just think about that for a second how many guns do you have why do you need so many (laughs) pretty much I love this podcast. He's like, so much why stuff. do you need? Why do you? He's like, why do you need three seven foot medium heavy rods? I'm like, why do you need three of the same exact ARs? <laughs> Point proven. This is a this is a weekly conversation. Nuh uh nuh This is a weekly conversation. I need a video. <laughs> uh, it won't be too long until I can catch it again. So awesome. it, I'll be able to find another one here. Soon. <laughs> awesome okay so going back to to the right gear right so what are some good brand rods and you talked a little bit about it but can you mention some of like the better fishing lines that people should look at well as i've started to get more in depth about gear in this last four years my favorite rods had to be castaway skeletons these rods they're sensitive they're a little on the heavy side, but it's. I'd rather have a little bit heavier of a rod than lose sensitivity, and they're they're strong. I've caught a lot of fish on them, and they sponsor they sponsor our school. Cool. They're just a really good. They're a really good rod company. Now on reels, I've I've had some bad experiences with. <laughs> bad reels mm-hmm. there there's a few companies i can think of off the top of my head that i'm not gonna say but they just make an absolutely awful product it's it's like i use it for about a year or which seems like a long time for the amount of use they get but yeah. i'm on some that wants to last me as long as i want it to last and yeah. there's been some reels that have just straight fallen apart on me it's kind of sad Yep, and even one one of them, two hundred dollar reel, just yep, dead, died. It's I don't understand what happened to it. It just died. <laughs> but Shimano reels, their the product is uncanny to anything. They just last forever. I've got one back there that it's a, about a four year old reel now, huh. and it's still. It's about a hundred dollar reel, and it still compares better to the two hundred dollar reels that fell apart on me. That's incredible. That's great. And it's and it's older than that reel. That's they just wild. last. They just last forever. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> you and, can put them through anything. And it was neat that you said, like, I mean, they sponsor your school and your school team, which I want to get to in a minute, but. You should also support the companies that are supporting your sport, your industry, right? Like those are the yeah. ones that you really should give back to. So I love that. That's important. 
I've had I had a shipping issue with them last year that it wasn't their fault. USPS they love to send packages to the middle of nowhere and then say, Oh, we've lost your package and then it ends up showing up to your door in three pieces. Mm-hmm. Don't know that rod that showed up in the package was in three pieces. Oh. It's this rod right here and it's perfectly fine. Just cause test, it's just a testament to how strong the rods are. But I contacted them about it and I said, basically, I lost, USPS lost the rod and mail. What, what do I do about it? They sent me a rod 100% free. It was the step up from the rod that I ordered. Aww. So they didn't send me the rod I ordered. They sent me a, technically a better rod than what I ordered. Yeah. Free of charge. They're just really nice people over there. That's awesome. Yeah, that's super important. It's really cool. I was going to ask, oh, do y'all have like a 4-H club that does fishing? Not that I'm aware of. I'm not, I'm not too in-depth in the 4-H, but I don't, I used to be, and I don't think we do. Yeah. I think it's mainly just shooting sports. I always ask that. I mean, I didn't even have 4-H growing up, but I'm curious, is there any other that you know of like entry point School for sure, school clubs for fishing, but like, is there any other organization or, or nonprofit or whatever that people can go and learn about fishing, especially like youth or people that know nothing? Well, there's a website Kentucky has it's called let's go fishing.com. Okay. It teaches basically all the small fundamentals of how to bait your hook, cast a line, all of that. And I think it even has listed, so I, I haven't been on the website, but I think it does have some listed spots you can go and fish and some, it may have gear that links to gear you can get, but yeah, mainly the best thing is try to figure out a contact that you know, yeah. that someone that fishes, someone that is interested in fishing, meet up with them, talk about it, really get really try to find someone that's into it mm-hmm. i know a website website can be helpful but if you really want to know more about it talk to someone you know that is really into fishing that's the hardest part is most people don't have that person and it's, it's yeah really something where again hunting fishing shooting archery it's all like it's hard to it's hard to do it out on your own like it's very daunting so unless yeah. you have like childhood grow up or you're your parents, your grandparents, someone taught you or brought you along, right? So that's it, it, it can be weird. Like fishing for me, bass fishing for me. Like mm-hmm. my family fishes, they bass fish some, but mainly just fish to eat fish. Yep. And but bass fishing for me was kind of a was kind of a weird step into things as it once it started. But after after a while I got to know some people. Instagram helped a lot with that. I made an account, I made a fishing account, post a bunch of fishing pictures. And since then I've had a bunch of people on it that really just been real nice people. My favorite, I love that. My favorite is, and I do this myself, is the people that travel with their boat behind them in their truck and they have their Instagram handle. And I always follow those people because my truck has an Instagram, but then I can find them and it's always anglers. I've always, I've tried, I've thought about putting mine on it, but like, I've already got a couple stickers on my truck. I'm not going to put some more on it. Come on, come on. You got to put the Instagram handle. I may, I may think about it. 
I don't want to be. I don't want to be that kid they talk about in the parking lot. Oh, you see him? He's got his Instagram handle on his truck. Why? Why, why is that um, there? You. So you don't know this, Bobby, but my truck's name is Thad, like Thad Castle. If you ever watch that show, <laughs> so Thad the Tacoma, and people know him. He has his own personality, but that's marketing, dude. <laughs> True. The problem is, how well do you drive? Yeah. Pretty. Getting there. Getting there. I say I've been driving since I was 11, 12. Technically, it started a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. So that was the other thing is I would get just one or two, but I would get like messages. Basic, yeah. Basically, it's all been up and down my road and on a farm. <laughs> and when it's on a farm, if you are about to hit something, you just swerve off into a cornfield. <laughs> on the road, if you're about to hit something, you can't do that because you're either going to swerve in oncoming traffic or into a ditch. <laughs> I hope your dad listens to this episode. <laughs> yeah, he probably will. It happened the other day. It was a little interesting. Oh, no. Oh, no. Was he in the car? Yeah. 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 And my mom and my oh, brother. Yeah, okay. I, I heard I heard a lot about it. <laughs> Especially that night. I was told a couple of times to pull over. <laughs> oh my gosh no like y'all just pull over and it'll be fine you can drive a different time like no i'm driving it'll be fine and that night the entire ray family ceased to exist <laughs> it was definitely i think i think i was the one that had the worst i was the one most shooken up about that than sure. anyone else yeah the adrenaline yeah, dump. yeah. I digress I have to ask you this and you probably can think of some off the top of your head what are some like fishing lingo words that people wouldn't know and what do they mean (laughs) well for big bass I've heard a lot of a lot of different words for them brute is one of them big bass can be a brute can be a donkey can be a toad it's the amount of things that people call Big Bass is hilarious to me. I've got a friend that calls them slanch donkeys. Ew. I don't, yeah, it's a little, oh. it's a little odd. It's, it's his own thing. Sure. Okay, what else? What are some other words? Pleasure boater. Dumbass pleasure boater. That's another thing. Uh those are people that are on the lake for fun mm. on a pontoon boat and they always cut you off. Yes. <laughs> we had the first turn. I remember the first tournament I ever fished. There was, we were coming on this rock point and it was, it led out of a creek channel on this local lake near our house. And we're starting to pull up on this rock point. We're going not super fast, but fairly fast. And this pontoon boat pulls out of the creek channel and cuts us off right at the point and I thought my boat captain was going to go crazy Uh, he hates them yeah what is the etiquette for like lake or channels or all of that like I know hiking it's the person coming up has kind of the right of way everybody else should step aside so what does that look like kayakers fishers all that usually as I see it for if you're on a big lake and you're a kayaker and there's a motorboat coming toward you if I'm in the motorboat, I I would usually slow down, not try to, I mean, if you get a 
if you get too big of a wave going toward a kayak, it's going to flip the thing. So mainly just slowing down for them. And if you're, if you're going to a spot that's got somebody and you reach the spot and you got, and there's somebody on that stretch of bank, I usually just let them have it. I tend to not get too in depth in arguing over, Oh, I was here first. Oh, well I was 50 feet in front of you. Sure. Yeah. It it just seems a little stupid to me. I know if I was in that boat and somebody cut me off of my bank, I wouldn't like it. So I just usually tend to tend to stay behind them. It's fair. It's fair. What do y'all call like newbie fishermen? I have a word for them. <laughs> now, there's a certain group of people that would get mad at me for it because it's a brand debate that usually all newer fishermen stick to and they're like oh they're the best bait i call them googans googans they're okay. all they're all googans i like that because <laughs> they they usually all throw the same brand of baits they don't really know they don't really know what they're doing at one point i was one yeah absolutely. I, I didn't know what i was doing yep. i've learned since then but some people stick around in that phase longer than i longer than i think i've yeah. got one friend that still hasn't gotten out of that phase i'm trying to lean him in the toward in the right direction but sure. <laughs> there's still it, most of them are just googans yeah i like that i like that any other words i'm missing or something that like people look at you funny can't really think of any off the top of my head right. now after feel. after this thing's over i'm probably gonna be like oh i remember i remember some now but <laughs> okay so yeah let me know if you do think about any other ones I was curious about like if you do or have you ever cast your own net to actually get live bait or do you again not really use them? I have before. Now during the summer, a few it's been a few summers ago, but me and my neighbor we'd go to a lake about an hour from our house and we'd jug fish for catfish. Mm-hmm. Basically using these big chlorine bottles, like shock bottles for a pool. Yep. And tying about a hundred pounds rope off to them and with a giant hook on them and just putting a big live bluegill on it the biggest the biggest fish i've technically ever caught uh, even though it wasn't on a rod is about a 45 pound blue uh blue catfish wow on a jug that's awesome but while we were out there one day he taught me how to throw a cast net and over this big school of shad and we caught probably 500 shad just in a big giant school in the middle of this creek channel. Yep. One thing I can do, but for those that don't know, <laughs> can you explain how to cast a net and do that properly? And then there, I have used some smaller minnow traps before just to catch bluegill for catfish bait in a pond up the road for me. It's, but I, it's been a while since I've thrown a net out. Okay. okay. And what's the technique to that? I wish I could tell you. <laughs> Mainly, all I the people I've seen throw a cast net that are amazing at it. They do almost like they're a tornado and spin around a few times. It's I'll never understand it. <laughs> I will never understand. I wish I could throw a cast net. That'd be really cool. But yep, I just haven't been able to learn it yet. Well, and the trick is to pull it as fast as possible too, as soon as it like hits the water. So it's not hitting the yeah. ground too. Yeah. That's fun. 
I know you and I chatted about this before kind of the podcast, but can you explain like how you, you do more catch and release than anything? Mate, about 99% of the fish I catch, they all swim back in the water for the most part unharmed. <laughs> I feel bad when everyone just absolutely swallows the hook and I, it swims off kind of funny. I'm like, yeah, that, that fish probably isn't going to make it. it. Makes me feel a little bad, but whenever I'm trout fishing, I'll keep a couple here and there, not too often. Then whenever I walleye fish in the summer, I usually keep them because they taste really good and they repopulate fast. So I don't feel too bad about it. But for the most part, all the fish I catch, they all swim back. I do that so that I don't absolutely just murder a fishery. Like there's one pond that I've fished for about four years now that in all honesty, I've probably caught every single fish in that pond. It's not too big, <laughs> but it it seems like I've caught one fish in there three times now. Oh, wow. It, it How do you just, know? Well, <laughs> this one has a really funky looking tail. That's the only reason I've been able to tell which fish it is. <laughs> it's got a little, it's got a little crick in its tail. It's just, it's this really weird spine displacement thing, but hmm. I, I've caught him off the same exact dock three times. The first time, the first time I didn't name him, the second time I did, and the third time I caught him, I'm like, oh, you're a really stupid fish. Oh, that made my whole day. Yeah. I don't know why he's bit three times, but it is what it is. Yeah. Now, for the ones that you do catch, uh, do you actually clean your own fish? For trout, yes. Okay. All my trout I clean. Walleye, I'm not too good at filleting. Mm -hmm. When I mean not too good, I mean <laughs> absolutely butcher a walleye or a crappie for that matter. The one crappie I have cleaned, I after that I said I'm I'm gonna learn a little more about this before I try it again because I don't want to waste that much meat again. But trout, they're really simple. All I gotta do is one slice down the stomach. And then gut the fish, usually clean out the inside of it. And then after that, you're ready to cook it. Skin. Okay. Most, even though it does sound kind of gross, I usually keep the head on all my trout that I cook. That's weird. It, it just, it just comes off. It, it's okay. not that bad. Interesting. Okay. So cleaning fish, what fillet knives, or do you just need the one fillet knife to like do that? I usually just use one fillet knife. I've even used a pocket knife before to clean a trout. It doesn't take, it doesn't, cleaning a trout doesn't take a certain kind of knife, really. Yeah. For other fish, you do need more specific knives. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because some meat's different than other meat. You could tear some of it. And you have to get the skin off most fish, even, yeah. if you want to fillet them right. Okay, that makes sense. For for the catch and release too, and and picking out the ones that you eat, like how do you know is there a size or a weight limit that they have to be for you to be like mandatory to throw them back or keep? It, I've never heard of a weight limit for freshwater fish. Okay. Now, size limit like length and inches. Usually at the boat ramps in most lakes, there will be like a board. There will be like a small board. Mm -hmm. near the ramp that 
tells limit sizes and everything. If there's not, you got to look up online that certain name of the lake, mm -hmm. fish regulations, and then size limit, how many you can keep. There's a daily limit per person, and then there's also a creel, creel limit. And I think that's the amount that you can keep legally in your freezer at one time. <laughs> like I know crappie, it at least in Kentucky, it's a 20 day, 20 per day per person, wow. and then 40 per creel. Okay. I think that's, I, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure what the creel is because I don't, I don't catch no, I don't catch and keep fish so much. But yeah. I know daily limits, and then the size limits are the important thing you need to keep attention to. Like it'll change. It'll change depending on lake. For bass fishing, I know there's a bunch of lakes around here that have different size limits. Mm -hmm. For for largemouth mainly, it stays around that 15 inch mark. Okay. Small, usually 15 inches. Now, there's a couple lakes here in Kentucky that have really weird and wacky smallmouth lengths, like. The one I'm going to this weekend, Lake Cumberland, you can only keep smallmouth over 18 inches long. Wow. Which, for a smallmouth, that's that's pretty big. Yep. So it it makes it a little more challenging trying to catch and keep and weigh in a smallmouth in a tournament. And then at Dale Hollow, they have what's called a, a slot limit. Mm -hmm. So that slot limit, you can only keep fish under 16 inches and below. You can't keep any from 15 inches or 16 inches to 20 inches, and then you can keep one over 21 inches, which I have yet to see a 21 inch smallmouth in my life, and I would love to. <laughs> I need to figure out how to. I need to figure out how to catch one. That's a lot of information, yeah. So it's a lot. Like I feel like fishing is a barrier to entry when you have there's, to figure all all of this out for wherever you're going across country. There's a lot. There's a lot, there's a lot of research and information that needs to be put into it that yeah. a lot of people just don't understand. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I know one of my friends, he gets asked all the time, like, oh, can you weigh in catfish in these tournaments? Like, no, no, it's why it's called a bass tournament. <laughs> he's, he's gone, <laughs> he's gone on and on to people in his class about tournaments because they just, no one understands it. Oy vey. That's funny, though. Uh, it's kind of like when we have Glock matches, and it's like, oh, can I shoot my HK in a Glock match? No. No, that's why it's called a Glock match. Yeah. It's in the name. So I don't understand if it's not in the name, but it's in the name. No. <laughs> I'm keep off stop track. Okay. So, so you're also, which I didn't know this until today, actually, you're on your schools. Is it angling team, fishing team? What is fishing it? Fishing team. Okay, fishing it's, team. It's our school's fishing team. A lot of people, they didn't even know we had a school fishing team <laughs> until this year because we didn't. At first, it was a club for the first few years. And then this year, it now just switched to a fishing team. Now, we're actually a sanctioned school sport. It's it's really it's grown in the last year we've lost some people because they've graduated and all that but it as a sport i think we're getting up there now that's so cool so how does been, oh go ahead i've been on it for this is my second year now okay how does that work like do you have a number of people that make the team and there's a club 
how to get sponsors? Like, tell me about this. There's no cert, there's no qualifications. There's no tryouts for the team. All you got to do is just sign up for the club and you're in. Now there is a little bit of decisions that need to be made on who has the boat, who wants to partner with that person, who who even who's going to be the boat captain because you need three people in the boat to even go out there and fish a tournament. So there's a lot that, there's a lot more than goes in, that goes into it than just signing up for the team and being a part of the team. Yeah. It can be it can be a little troubling trying to find a partner and trying to find a partner that works well with you, but I've been thankful for the last two years. I've found partners that have been really good people. This is awesome. This is so cool. Now, every weekend you guys are competing or practicing or what do you not, do? Not every weekend. We have technically we only need to fish three tournaments this year okay. for technical but we have qualifiers for the state tournament the state tournament's usually in the spring actually always in the spring no regionals is in the spring states in in the summer you need to fish a certain amount of tournaments that our coaches laid out to fish in or to be able to qualify to fish in the spring for regionals and apart from that Everything else is up to you. We're thankful here that we have a lot of that we have a lot of uh, different associations that run tournaments mm-hmm. and a bunch of different tournament trails. And my boat captain, he signs he signs us up for all these different tournament trails. And back in October and September, I think we went. Let's say five weekends in a row. Wow, it was tournament, tournament tournament practice and then tournament that's cool the last the last three times we went for the tournament practice tournament that was a little rough but it it still turned out okay yeah now do y'all have like a team president or club president like how do you practices we actually don't practice technically they can't make us practice because that taking time out of the boat captain money out of the boat captain because mm-hmm. boat captain's got to trailer the boat to the lake pay for gas tow us around all day they can't even fish oh they just have to it, bless all of them bless <laughs> every single high school fishing boat captain because oh. i don't see how you all have the patience to sit there and just watch two bozos fish on a boat for eight hours straight <laughs> i don't I don't understand how you all have the patience for it. They're doing God's work. It's not not just both those little, little teenagers yeah. that are paying the butt. <laughs> I don't bless all of them. That's awesome. Well, they want to pass it down. You think about it though. Those are yeah. people that want to give back. They want to pass it down. They want people out on the water. And it's probably more fun for them than you think, but I do agree. Like I can't I can't say Yeah. <laughs> I know I know if it was me and it was my kid they're out there fishing i'd be happy now if it was (laughs) rainy and 30 degrees and just miserable and nothing's biting i could see where that could be a little bit strenuous but i'd i'd still make the best of it yeah for sure and then we've got a handful of sponsors 
Castaway Rods, as I mentioned earlier, they sponsor our team. Uh, Land Big Fish is another one of them. They're a tackle shop company. Um, Renegade Marine, they're a tackle shop fairly close to our school that reached out to us. They paid for, I think they paid for our jerseys last year. I'm not positive about that, but. And then there's a few other smaller companies here and there that reached out and sponsored. They they all end up somewhere along the jersey. <laughs> so you and your dad, y'all compete for how many logos you have? <laughs> no, not necessarily. Because yeah. I do have a Samson jersey. I just don't wear it much. <laughs> it's fun to, fun to learn the team dynamic between here. Okay, so you're an aspiring, though, pro angler. So you want to do that after graduation or college or what? It, it's a little hairy there. Okay. If the opportunity presented itself, absolutely. No doubt in my mind I would go for it. But as of right now, out of high school, I'm planning on going to trade school and becoming an electrician. Very cool. Everything planned out. I ended up fishing college level and then fishing pro level. Yeah. That'd be crazy. I don't know. I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. But how many sacrifices have you made to do what you love? I don't see how my family puts up with me. It's constantly every single weekend. Hey, can I, can I, can I go fish? And usually the place I go most of the time, it's like half an hour. Well, yeah, about half an hour from my house. And I don't see how my mom, my dad, my grandma puts up with it. But usually I go down there, fish for anywhere from two hours to one day. I think I was down there 10 hours straight. <laughs> that was a long day, but it's I wouldn't trade it for anything. No, I get it. Absolutely. How does someone though become pro? Like, how does that work out? Do you know? I'd love to know, but I think mainly starting younger, the better mm -hmm. you're off because you start learning people in the sport. You start learning names. If you fish in college, fish for college teams, and you do good there, I think you can sometimes pick up somewhere along there and get. Mm -hmm. more momentum building up into pro level yeah there's open there's pro level opener tournaments too like actual open tournaments you can sign up for and you don't have to be a pro yet mm -hmm. some some people emerge from that that's cool okay it'd be, it'd be interesting to hear some of the pro stories of how they got there and you don't know a lot of them or you haven't heard of them i've met a couple of them Okay. I have met a couple of them, but did you ask too many? No, it was more of a because it was a I it was at ICAST fishing convention this summer, and it was more of hey, I'm a really big fan. Can I get a picture? And then yeah, sure. <laughs> and then I was in it. I wish I wish I'd stick around and talk a little more with them, but I I wasn't thinking at the time. No, it's fangirl. I get it. I same with us again shot show it's like oh my gosh and then I was like oh I probably could have yeah. had a conversation I don't, I don't know if you know him but I met Kevin Van Damme I'm like oh my gosh mm -mm. I see this guy on tv all the time yeah I'm like I I waited <laughs> he was well it's funny is he was doing an interview with now it was for some it was for his tackle box uh 
sponsor company. And <laughs> he was, he was wait, I was waiting there behind him out of the frame for probably a good 20 minutes, just waiting to talk to him. <laughs> and once, once I got up there to talk to him, there was another guy that came in to talk to him. And I'm like, dude, I've been waiting here for about 20 minutes. Can you please just go that way? Mm-hmm. It, I think I was probably at that booth for half an hour before I finally got to talk to him. I got a picture with him, yeah. but it, it took a second. But well, was it worth it? Yes. Yes, it was. Apart from me having the dorkiest looking haircut because I decided to I decided to get a haircut right before we went on the trip. I kinda regret that, but (laughs) it was okay. I still had the picture. That's awesome. That's awesome. So who else are some like pro wranglers that you follow? Uh, or pro anglers, sorry, (laughs) that you follow on social media or, you know, just their story online or on TV? Jacob Wheeler is a big one. He's in the pro arena he's really young he's like 20 something young and he he's made more of a name for himself in the last few years than any of them it's it's been it's been neat watching him become the angler he is now like whenever i started being on social media and start developing myself with all the fishing and I mean, he was kind of a big name, but not super big in the last couple of years. It's just, he's yeah. taken off. It's cool. Yeah. Are there any like females? I'm just curious, like really good female anglers out there. I know of one. Her name's Christine Fisher. She kayak tournaments. She fishes a lot of kayak tournaments. Cool. A, a ton of them. Mm-hmm. And she's a really good female angler. Unfortunately, there's not a ton of them in the pro circuit right now. That's normal. Maybe it'll, yeah, maybe it'll, maybe it'll change eventually. Cool. Yeah. So talk about these competitions. So how are they divvied up? I keep hearing you say kayak competition, bass, obviously tournament. That dude needs to learn that. (laughs) What are some other competitions? (laughs) Well, there's kayak tournaments for bass fishing Mm -hmm. and there's, normal boat tournaments for bass fishing there's also musky tournaments the people that die hard musky fish i think all of you are crazily dedicated because what is that musky are these giant toothy fish (laughs) i've hooked one of them in my life it was about 45 inches long according to my uncle because he was the one that he was the one that got it in the net and then both of us managed to get it out of the net and back into the river without getting a picture of it. Mm-hmm. But they are big, long toothy fish, and they are really hard to get to bite. But once you get them to bite, they they fight okay. hard. So it's another fun one then, maybe-ish. Yeah. Crappie fish, there's also crappie tournaments. Those I could see being a lot of fun. Though I'm not, I think actually in crappie tournaments, you can keep your catch. Like in, ba- I know in bass tournaments, the majority of people don't keep any of their fish. Okay. They let them swim back. Just yeah. Rule of thumb. Yeah. And, but crappie tournaments, I think you can keep some of your fish. Okay. 
and then there's catfish tournaments as well. Really about any sport fish that you can think of, there's there's a tournament for it. Pretty cool. I know up north they do I know that up north they do a lot of walleye tournaments. I don't think there's any trout tournaments. Okay. I think okay. that's more of a I think it's more of a fly fishing and serene wilderness type of fishing instead of actual tournaments. So have you Yes. Okay. And I will say it is a pain in the butt. Okay. I have I've caught a, a fair amount of fish on a fly rod for the amount of time I've put into it, but for the main part, I just stick to conventional because <laughs> it's it's easier it's easier for me to do. Yeah. I don't have to think too highly in depth for it, and I also don't have to learn a new style of fishing. Yeah. Now, can you like give me an overview though? Like I do want to try it one day. Like, what is fly fishing, and how do you fly fish, or do you have like basics? there's i've got a fly rod over here so first they have their own rod and then you tie their own flies yes the people that tie their own flies are dedicated they they're not really looking to more of catch fish fishing for them is more of on a spiritual level yeah like i've i've talked to a few fly fishermen they're like i fly fish for the spiritual aspect of it and I've never really gotten that, but you do need a certain kind of rod for it. Usually, I'm no expert fly fisherman, but longer the longer the rod, the easier it is to cast. You usually strip out line, the line floats, and you whip it back and forth in the air. And once you finally let it go, all that line throws forward, and your fly is at the very end of your tippet, which is another line you attach to your fly line. It's a long process i will never truly understand but would love to get into it more i don't think never say never i think you'd figure it out or you'd find someone that knows how i I think i think eventually i think eventually if i get bored of what i'm doing now i'll figure it out yeah yeah maybe yeah no i mean never say never though you're too young to say that um so like what competitions right now are you wanting to compete in or what are your favorite what are you trying to go for Right now, my main goal for this year and for this season is regionals in April, and then after that, state tournament in June. I think it's June. Mm-hmm. I'm not positive, but those are the big two. Okay. Those are the actual KHSAA school-sanctioned full tournament events. Okay. Like those are, if you want to fish one, that's the one you want to fish. That's the one you want to be in. Okay. Any, most of your exposure is going to come from that. If you win that, you're basically golden. Yeah. Oh gosh. I was going to ask you about that. Okay. Yeah. I was going to remember how, and after, oh, go ahead. After, and after you win state, like say you win state, you get to move on to nationals. Okay. And that. That is the biggest tournament in all the United States for bass fishing. Yeah. Like for high school bass fishing, nationals is the big goal. Okay. Like state, state, state and regionals, you can get to them. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's still, it takes, it still takes skill. Yeah. 
but to get to nationals, it's it's a push. Okay, so it's how, a big push. How does someone win state? Like I know nothing, right? So is it how many inches per fish, a ton of fish? Like how do you win? And then how do you get pounds. up to pounds? Okay. So for points, you can collect you can collect points. So for the amount of tournaments you place, the higher you place, the more points you get. Mm-hmm. And for those points, those points add up over and over. And if you get a certain amount of points, then you're eligible to fish regionals. So but hold on, say, the pounds though, I still don't understand. So you're saying like you have like five hours to fish, and then it's as many fish as you get weighed, added up. About no, for every tournament that we do, mm-hmm. it's either best or best three. You for high school, it's never best three. Now for some adult tournaments around our area it's best three fish but so usually for our tournaments you get eight hours of fish okay in those eight hours you can keep five of your best five your best biggest bass weigh them if they're legal size Mm -hmm. weigh them in and whoever has the most poundage for those five bass wins the tournament and then they get the then it goes second third fourth yeah and then they get points Okay. I think each tournament for our qualifiers, each one of our tournaments is worth 300, 300 points if you win it. Mm-hmm. And then it goes 299, 298, down, so on, so on. Okay. And the more points you gather up, the higher you place, the better you're going to have a chance to getting into regionals and then state and eventually getting into nationals. Mm-hmm. Have you been to nationals yet? Not yet. I last year we didn't make it nationals. Nationals last, or well, I guess this year, but in spring, mm-hmm. it was in South Carolina, and we didn't we didn't place high enough to make it. But okay. that's really the goal. That's the goal for this year. Yeah, the goal this year is to get to nationals. Cool. Or at least at least get to state. At the very can. least. <laughs> Three people, two fishermen, and the captain. And the other person is the captain. The captain can't. There's some tournaments the captain can't fish. Mm-hmm. There's some tournaments the captain can't even be on the front of the deck. Okay. Almost all tournaments the captain can't fish. He's just like, like a some, neutral. <laughs> he's there. He or she's there to pilot the boat, gives tips, and just make sure everything's safe. Okay. But usually it's only three people with a boat. Now, there's some tournaments that you can have one fisherman say, like, say I'm sick, mm-hmm. but my partner, but we have a tournament this weekend. And say I'm sick, we have a part, we have a tournament this weekend. My partner, technically, if he could find a, another person to be in the boat with him that, that's not a fisherman, mm-hmm. that's not going to fish then he could fish that tournament because there's three people in the boat, two spectators and one fisherman. Okay, that's fair. Now, I'm curious, like, is there a governing body or rule set over these tournaments? I, I don't know anything about this world. <laughs> there's, now on the water, there's no, there's no rules. Like, oh, there's rules. There's still rules, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. there's no tech there's no technical enforcement of those rules okay if you get away with something then you're just you're just a bad person but you got away with it no one no one technically can stop you because no one saw you do it now if someone catches you doing something bad then or doing something wrong then they can report you and you can be disqualified yeah that's that's happened a couple times there's at state tournament there was a few people speeding and they got they got dq'd yeah like going 60 miles an hour down the lake which what? in a high school tournament in a high school tournament that's not you can't do that you don't need to be doing that anyways in any lake i would think one of my friends one of my friends has gotten his boat up to 73 <laughs> Oh, I, I can't comment on that. Y'all are too young. <laughs> the time I was in the boat with him and he got it up to 68, I was like, we need to slow down. <laughs> we need we need to slow down now. Yeah. Okay. So, so there are rules. Now, where would someone go to sign up? Like what website? Someone registering as like a pro or amateur team or whatever into a tournament. I don't know about more pro level i know high school and high school level yeah saf or at least around student angler federation okay saf website pay your dues on there sign up you can fish any of the saf tournaments i, I don't know about other states but i know kentucky sign up for saf pay your dues you can fish any of the saf tournaments if you have even if you're not in a school you don't have to be technically associated with a school i've I've heard some names for schools be called out. They're like random. It's just, it, schools don't even exist. It's just yeah. someone filled out something to fill that spot out. Yeah. But just pay your dues for SAF, fish tournaments. You can technically make it to regionals and state and then nationals. If, even if you're not a part of a school team. That's pretty cool. Okay. So usually, and most clubs have a do like a membership due part. Most bass clubs have a membership due thing. You just sign up on a membership part and then you fish all their tournaments. That's pretty cool. Now, I know we talked about it in the beginning of the podcast, like gear, tools, all that. When you're on a boat, however, do you have a live well to keep these in so you're swapping out the bigger yeah. fish? Okay, what else do you need on that too? Like, do you have the anchor and the what are the cool poles that automatically keep your boat power poles yeah those are cool for for our lakes around here we don't really need them now i know one of my friends would disagree with me because he fishes dirt shallow water but most of our lakes are lean on the deep side so we don't really need power poles but there's trolling motor anchors you can use that it's called spot lock so if you set the like if you set the mechanism on the trolling motor it'll keep your boat in one spot okay that we don't really use actual we don't use actual anchors that you throw over the side of the boat yeah no (laughs) those are kind of saves out of the way but for the most part we just stay moving yeah you don't unless you really are on fish in one particular spot yeah you usually just stay moving yeah, that makes sense. Um, trying to think of what else. I mean, obviously a measuring stick or a weight or poundage. Yeah, no, you need you need a bump board. So it's a little metal, metal or plastic board that's got one side going up, 
and then the length of the fish on the side. Yeah. And you just touch the nose of the fish up to the board and it tells you the length of it's it's basically a measuring tape, like a metal yeah. measuring tape. Okay. Make sure your make sure your fish are of legal size and another thing you need and you don't technically need them, but one thing that helps a lot are coal tags. Now you can get bad coal tags and you can get good coal tags. The bad ones that I absolutely hate using have a little have like a little loop that you stick through the fish's gill, like underneath their gill, and then clip it and it leaves a little piece of string up above it with a little ball attached to it. Mm-hmm. That helps with being able to determine which like if you can remember which fish is your smallest fish. Yeah. Then you can pull one you can pull that one out quicker because right. it's got a certain colored bubble on the end of it. That's pretty cool. I don't like I don't like using those coal tags as much because I tend to see it hurts more of the fish because they're yeah. stuck. It's underneath their gill rakers and it's. I just. They yeah. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it. But no. the good coal tags that I've seen that really help preserve the fish, they just they're like a little. They're kind of like these pliers. Okay. There's just a little bit of plastic up here and a little bit of plastic down here, and that plastic there's a little ball that you can cinch over top of it that once you put it, so you put it in the fish's lip like that, and then you cinch the plastic down. It doesn't, it was a weird demonstration, but <laughs> once you cinch it down, it, the little plastic can't go anywhere. Okay. So yeah. you're not a guy or girl, but like, have you seen the ear cuffs? It's the same thing. You put a piece of metal on your ear and you squeeze it. So it stays on. <laughs> basically the same thing so. you aircraft the fish and i have to tell a story sorry you're 16 but i was i was literally minding my own business at barnes and noble this is years ago and this guy sits down and like flops over his arm and he's like do you know what this is and it was literally his bass ruler on his tattooed on his arm and i'm like no <laughs> i was like that's when you have a problem it's when you've tattooed a ruler yeah <laughs> yeah that I've had a couple of my friends are like, oh, if you ever get a tattoo, you should get a ruler on your leg. I'm like, you're insane to think I would tattoo a ruler on me. My gosh. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not putting a ruler on my leg. Okay. Props to your dad. He raised a very smart, smart kid. So good job. (laughs) This is funny. Okay. A couple more questions I had. You mentioned it earlier, but I want you to, if you can remember any off the top of your head, what YouTube channels or what books or what podcasts can help someone learn about fishing or even becoming like a pro angler? I don't listen to many podcasts. Not yet. But you have a new one now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> but Bass, Bassmaster Magazine tips, I've got. A stack of them back there behind me. Mm-hmm. There's tips on how to fish different lakes in there. There's different baits, different advice from pros on how to tackle some certain kind of structure and all that. Mm-hmm. I did. I wa- I've watched a lot of YouTube in learning how to all do all this. A few of the channels, Tactical Bassin, they pretty much have every single thing you need to know about bass fishing and anything you could ever dream of 
they have a video about it. <laughs> I've learned a lot from them. Learned a lot from a guy by the name of Milliken Fishing. He he makes a lot of videos. <laughs> he lives in Texas now, but he used to live in Nebraska. And he has a lot of videos. And he's funny. That's a plus. <laughs> yeah. But he's he's got... He's got a lot of videos on different tactics and a lot of the pros now, like pros that you see on TV, they have YouTube channels. Okay. They're starting to transition over to that as well. Yeah. So I, a I lot watch of some of their videos sometimes. Do like outdoor channel, even though that you have to pay for outdoor channel, right? Like the, the shows on yeah. there. Yeah. Do they live stream any of these tournaments? There's a few that they live stream. I've seen some tournaments that they live stream. I know the big ones, they live stream them. Like the, I think, I don't watch a ton of TV, but I'm just curious. But I know they, I think they live stream the Bassmaster Classic, which is like the epitome of all tournaments ever. Yeah. I think they live stream that one. Most of them are just recordings mm-hmm. from a lot of them. Can you go attend one of these tournaments and just watch and like meet people and are they open as spectators? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the pro tournaments are open to spectators. Like they'll actually encourage you coming out and watching them weigh in and seeing all of it go down. And I know high school tournaments, they do the same with us. I've been to a few where the locals just come down to the boat ramp and watch us weigh in. (laughs) They don't really it's all in fun yeah they all just come in and watch us weigh in that's really cool it's really cool and now is there money in the sport at the high school level not at the high school level yeah i know there is at the beer i know the I one don't. million just happened or whatever and i'm like it's a lot that that was that was huge my friends were in that class. that thing was huge I, that was crazy yeah. but high school level most of the time we just have trophies I know there's one tournament trail around here that gives out a rod to first place winner. Yeah. And then scholarship money has also been on the line for. Yeah. That's the only money related thing that's actually been able to. Yeah. Because I don't think you can give a bunch of high schoolers $100 in cash for winning a tournament. (laughs) No, no. I don't think that'll go over good, but. Yeah. I know trophies mainly rods and then uh scholarship money also yeah that's neat okay yeah i again florida state is where i went to school and, and they actually had a, a bass fishing team and they had a boat and they we had the reservation which is we had like its own lake and property where people could do a lot of water sports we had a mm-hmm. wakeboard team there was a lot of, like there's there but not every university has the programs right like i mean yeah that's the no, hard part. Not everywhere has it. What's what's good about where I live and around here in Kentucky, about every single high school that we have has a bass fishing team. It's surprising wow. how many of them have it. That's cool. And we're, as my school district is wanting to grow our bass fishing team to different schools in our district, we're looking at adding two more teams. So it's it's growing. Yeah, I love that. Even though, even though not a ton of people understand why we 
want to wake up at three in the morning to head to a lake and may not have a chance of catching anything all day. It's a growing sport. People listening to this podcast, we're at your people. We wake up at 4 a.m. to hunt. We wake up at 5 a.m. to shoot three gun. Like we get it. The other people, they have to learn to wake up early. I've, I've had, I've texted back some of my friends when I wake up and then they, they wake up at like eight. Yeah. You're like, why were, why were you up at four in the morning? I'm like, yep. I've been up for four hours. I've already <laughs> caught 10 fish. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> wake up. I love it. And is y'all's a time to fish? Is it before sunrise, like a couple minutes or 30 minutes before sunrise? Or what's the legal fishing time? No. Well, there, technically there's no legal fishing time. Now for tournament, ter- for tournaments, yeah. we have to release at safe light. We had, we had to make sure there's enough light to be able to see where we're going. Now, night tur- there are bass fishing night tournaments. That's cool. Those aren't high school level. Those are more of just a adult and over mm-hmm. like, bigger tournaments. Yeah. But I I fished a night tournament this summer that it went from uh, I think like six, which is the light outside to. 10 or 11 that's cool but you're fishing it you're fishing into the night so there's there's really no limit to it now there's some that you fish from six in the six at night six in the morning 12 hours straight i call that a call that a power hour no (laughs) that's just wait just wait i don't drink i don't i don't drink many energy drinks but that is a Grab a bang and hit the water and hope you stay awake. <laughs> that sounds fun, though. <laughs> Let me try one. Yeah, you need to do it at least once. Just see if you make it. <laughs> Knowing my luck, I would fall asleep while I'm standing up and fall into the water. <laughs> you might be the oldest 16 year old. A few of my friends have called me a few of my friends have called me an old man. They're like, your back always hurts. I'm like, yeah, because my backpack that I carry around the field with all my tackle boxes in it weighs like 30 pounds. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, man. Well, Thomas, are there any final thoughts that you want to leave listeners with, whether it's the newbies, which we, Googans, Googans, yeah. <laughs> see, full circle, yeah. or anybody else that wants to, you know, go and do it on their high school team or go into college and find a bass team or what have you? Really, anything I'd just like to say to anybody looking to get into the sport, just start somewhere. Start with something. Try new things. Don't be afraid to look a little crazy while doing it. (laughs) I know some of the weirder techniques I've done have actually turned out to be pretty well successful. Like one time during the summer, me and my papa went out to – one of my favorite bodies of water ever and I was throwing around that thing which compared to my hands <laughs> is like six and a half and I think it's like six inches long yeah. and he looked at me he's like I've been alive for 60 some years I've never seen a bait that big I'm like okay well to make it even better I'm gonna catch a fish on it and he goes you can try and that day I ended up out fishing him and I caught a giant bass on that bait that's awesome <laughs> just don't be afraid to try anything it's 
there's a lot of room to learn, even though I've been doing it for four years and I've learned a lot. There's so much more that I need to figure out. There's so many different techniques that you can do. It's just, it's a never ending learning process. Yeah. Everybody does something differently. And the more, the more people you expose yourself to and fish with, the more stuff you learn. I am blown away the fact that you know that at 16 years old, the fact that you want to be a lifelong learner, the fact that you think that everybody can teach you something, which they can, like I'm the same way. Thoroughly, I, I'm impressed. So that's for you to realize that at 16, you're going to be well off by the time you're 20, 21, 25, you know. I'm proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Oh, and how could people find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram at the okay angler. That's <laughs> about it i kind of don't want people finding no. my facebook no, i like instagram that's <laughs> more of family stuff yeah yeah but i am on instagram i love it one day you should do like a public like facebook page though for your fishing you know i may i may end up making one like yeah cool well thomas thank you for joining me on the podcast good luck with everything and i'm excited thanks to see you me. absolutely thanks for having me I'm ready to see you like five years from now. We'll have another one of these and you'll tell me how you made it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Reticle Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Reticle Up or 3 Gun Kenzie.